Hello? You play to win the game. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. To LeBron James! That was insane! Officially insane, LeBron James! Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Close to the Wall. We got a great cast for you to hear today. This is Justin Brown. I'm joined with the wonderful Returned. It's been a long time. John Carlo Cacho, the San Antonio legend, is back in Studio C, baby. We got Paxton Graff. You know, he's here just out of a Rattler football game the other day. We got Colton Gibson, the wonderful new staff member that's coming out in Studio C doing great things. And we got a great episode here for you today jam-packed i'm talking we had tons of texas state sports last weekend i'm talking mm-hmm. volleyball i'm talking soccer i'm talking jake spavadol's new squad of football here at home in san marcus the past weekend we got plenty of reactions to that and some rattler football and especially nfl week one football but before we get into that i'm going to start with the first bobcat sport that happened this weekend and that was the volleyball tournament that occurred. The San Marcos Invitational, multiple teams were playing, and the Bobcats performed in 2-1 in that tournament that took place Friday through Sunday at Strahan Arena. The Bobcats swept the Sam Houston State Bearcats 3-0. They also swept the Wake Forest Demons, but lost, unfortunately, to Ole Miss 3-1. I just wanted to hear y'all's reactions. I saw Janelle Fitzgerald performing amazingly. We have Emily DeWalt and some recent news about her. Colton, what were your thoughts on this volleyball team? You know, I... I think it was a very good bounce back after their um, their tournament in Hawaii. Obviously, some disappointing results there, but they got to come home in front of their home crowd. You know, people really came out and filled the crowd for them. You know, thirteen hundred people on Friday and another twelve hundred people for their second round of matches. You know, they they performed well. They did what Bobcat volleyball does, and you know they had two really good games against Sam Houston and Wake Forest, and then they they still really contended against Ole Miss. You talked about Emily DeWalt performing really well. Announced today, she received her twentieth career Sunbelt setter of the week 19 was the most ever so you know 20 she's just pine them on got in her second of the season in only three weeks and then Janelle Fitzgerald was named the tournament MVP over the weekend so you know a lot of good things going on looking good going into conference play yeah uh it was really exciting to watch them I got to go to the Friday uh afternoon game against Sam Houston State and I mean one thing that I've noticed because I, I haven't been able to go to a lot of volleyball games, but the ones that I have gone to, Janelle Fitzgerald has got some power in those arms. I mean, she is, it's kills left and right, which is so much power behind them. And I really, it's in, in entertaining to watch. And then another thing, you know, because I, I'm surrounded by San Marcus Rattler Athletics and all that, uh, Coach John Walsh's daughter is actually a freshman on the team, Maggie Walsh, and she had her first kill uh, this this Pat's actually huge. I believe it was either a kill or ace. I don't remember which one, but she had her first one of the of her collegiate career, and it was really fun watching that because I don't know her personally, but I know her dad, and I know I looked over and saw him and his wife just instantly stand up and going crazy. So it was a very fun time. Unfortunately, we did lose against the Rebels, but uh, bounced back and won against Wake Forest. So it was a fun weekend to watch. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I was uh, able to produce for the Sam Houston game. That game was exciting to watch. Uh, it was on the ESPN Plus broadcast as well. Um, 
and the way that the team just started off with their aggression on offense um, was a good sight to see. Um, of course, that Ole Miss game was disappointing. Um, able to get one set in but not pull out the win. I felt like the reaction times of some of the players was a little, a little off, maybe some fatigue from the game earlier. Um, but then coming back against Wake Forest was good to see, you know, refresh, got some their legs rested, you know, ready to go. Uh, and I like their defense in that game too as well. Um, a lot of good stats, a lot of good aggression. It's, you know, this it's just the start of the season. So, you know, you get your legs underneath you, you know, get things settled in, you know, adjust to the season. You got new people, you know, you know, the returners getting back into it, leading the way. So I like the way that volleyball starting off this year, and I think – it's looking, it's looking good for the future. It is looking very good for the future. I think Sean Hewitt brought this group of girls right back from Hawaii, and they were ready to perform, and many Bobcat fans got to see them at home, and they showed up. Their next game will be actually in another invitational they will be attending. It's the Horned Frog attention, uh, Invitational, and they will be playing in Fort Worth, Texas, September 16th against Abilene Christian, and that will be at 4 p.m. The next game of that tournament will be on Saturday, September 17th at 1.30 against no other than Alabama. And then TCU, the Horned Frogs, they will play them September 17th, that's Saturday as well, at 7 p.m. That'll be a late-night game for them. But, yes, this volleyball team is about to make it their way to another tournament, and they're looking forward to continuing this success. I'm glad you mentioned Janelle Fitzgerald winning the MVP of that tournament for good reason. 18 mm -hmm. kills in that game against Ole Miss. That was her high of the season so far. So great performance from the volleyball girls at home. Now we have to mention another team, and just because I mentioned TCU recently, it rings a bell because we had a Bobcat team play against TCU recently, and that was on the soccer field as the women's soccer team led by Steve Holman unfortunately took a 3-0 loss against TCU last Sunday, and I just want to hear your thoughts on this, this win streak of theirs, their best start in franchise history for the, San, uh, for the Bobcats. What are y'all's thoughts on this tough loss against the Horned Frogs? You know, I, I think they it's really sad and kind of unfortunate that the uh the win streak was ended but realistically it, it was going to end at some point and at least it, it was against a good team in tcu they're number 16 in the nation i think but you know looking at this game this is the first time the bobcats have just really been kind of outmatched they they didn't lead on the uh the shots eight they lost 18 to 9 and then they only had one shot on goal which is just uncharacteristic for the bobcats so far in the season but, you know, now they're going to head into conference play, and I, I think they're still feeling strong about themselves. Yeah, I definitely do think they are still feeling very confident about themselves. Uh, but, you know, it, it, like you said, it was going to happen at one point, and, you know, it just ironically happened on Taco Sunday. I think it was those tacos getting to them. <laughs> but uh, but it was against a phenomenal Horn Frog uh, soccer team. I mean, you're like you're right. They're, they're ranked 16 in the nation, and there's a reason why. Honestly, I think they should be ranked higher, a little bit higher. But, uh, I mean, they, they showed their dominance in this game. But going into conference play, I mean, these Lady Bobcats, they, they've done a phenomenal job all season. They've got 10 more games left until a uh, conference tournament. I expect them to win all of them. So this is not going to be the last time you're going to see a win streak. Yeah, for sure. And I've seen a couple of games there at Bobcat uh, Soccer Complex. And, you know, the way that this team just plays is aggressive. Um, they're very well uh, skilled on defense and offense um, and really well coached by first-year Coach Holman. Um and but there is times where they look a little fatigued, a little tired, a little off. Like communications a little lack, uh, lacking in some areas during the game. 
Um, sometimes it's at the start of the game. Sometimes at the start of the second half. Um, so I think Holman, you know, it's his first year, so he's just getting to see these players out on the field uh, against opponents. Um, it's early in the season, you know, great start to the season, but it definitely will have more success as the season goes um, throughout. And just seeing them play aggressive and, you know, they have confidence talking to some of the players, you know, they, they do it for each other. They have great chemistry. They all hang out together um, off the field. So that's great to see when you have a team with great chemistry, you know, no matter wins or losses, you know that they're going to show up for each other. A hundred percent, John Carlo. This chemistry on this team is great, and it's because they're led by a great coach. You know, Colt Holman, he's led this team to some historic things. We've already talked about this win streak, their best start in the franchise, you know, I mean, in program history for the Bobcat soccer team. But... I wanted to bring up some history that I don't know if it was shined light on. Uh, last week, you know, September 8th, they, they've done some good things, guys. This one loss is really not anything because they beat Rice the first time in over 20 years. So when you're telling me you're beating a team for the first time in 20 years, that means this team is better than it's been in a long time. And I'm telling you now, this experience against national-ranked teams, even at a loss, you can learn so much from it. Steve Holman was talking about how they left them scoreless, uh, left TCU scoreless in the first half, and that's pretty good to do it. I mean, that's a pretty impressive thing to do with your defense against a nationally-ranked team. Unfortunately, the Bobcats gave away a handball in the second half, and that kind of gave TCU the advantage, and they kind of stuck with it. Um, but... Oh, yes, Paxton, what would you like to say? Well, this this game kind of reminds me of last year's game against Baylor for the football team. I mean, everybody doubted us going in, and then we went and really, in the grand scheme of things, we barely lost that game, especially against the future soon-to-be Sugar Bowl champions. Uh, so I, I, I kind of get the same vibe from this. Now, where they need to defer from the football team is that they need to take this win or this loss and really let it embed and go and make wins out of it. Now, sadly, the football team wasn't really able to do that last year, but it, this is a whole nother season, and this soccer team, they've got something special. I expect them to bounce back from this. 100%. This soccer team has some special parts, not just the players, but the coaching staff, etc. Now, their next game, if you're looking forward to getting some st- San Marcos soccer, some Texas State soccer. Um, September 17th, this Saturday, while volleyball is going to be away at their tournament in Fort Worth, the Texas State soccer team is going to be here at the Bobcat Soccer Complex at 12 p.m. Um, you will definitely be able to attend that. Uh, any Bobcat students can make their way there, and if not, you can listen to it on KTSW 89.9. That will for sure be on air. Um, but, yes, the Texas State soccer team is looking to bounce back from this tough loss but losing was not the, the, the outcome of one Bobcat team this weekend. One team where many people expected a loss because they suffered their first loss in Nevada earlier this past week. Now, they came here at home against a team called Florida International University, and they won. The Bobcat football team wins this one 41-12. Huge game. What were y'all's reaction to that? I think it was great improvements all around. You know, last week we talked about the Nevada game, and the offensive line was obviously the biggest the biggest struggle in that game. You know, allowed Lane Hatcher to get sacked. I think we said like negative 40 yards or something for mm-hmm. him. You know, multiple penalties. The run game was non-existent, and it was just a complete turnaround. You know, we talked about yesterday on uh, Bobcat Radio, Calvin Hill, career high, 195 yards in this game. And then also Lane Hatcher had plenty of time in the pocket to throw – not one, but two deep balls for touchdowns. You know, it, it was it was impressive, and I think if the Bobcats continue this 
strong offense. It's going to be fun. Before I even continue this, I just I just have to you know mention something. Before this game even begun, I think the energy was set properly. Eighteen thousand seven hundred fifty-seven fans didn't witness anything else besides the new president Kelly Danfus ride out on a Harley Davidson in a leather mm. jacket, getting the fans ready and the team ready for their first home win, to start, first home opener win since 2018. Um, like you mentioned, Calvin Hill doing huge things, and not to mention Lane Hatcher showing up here at home. Get, Paxton, what were your thoughts? Yeah, uh, Terminator style, as Brent Freeman posted <laughs> on Twitter. He came out Terminator style. But uh, this this is a huge improvement from the previous game against Nevada. Uh, but there's a couple things. Obviously, Calvin Hill going off had a phenomenal game. But not only did that establish a run game for you, especially from an awful run game from the previous week, it also allowed your quarterback to get settled a little bit. He wasn't having to worry about throwing it downfield literally every single play. And one of the things you look at is the first week against Nevada, he had 59 total passes. This week he had 30, and he went per, uh, he went exactly 50% on them. But, I mean, that's a 29-pass difference right there. And those 29 passes really gets to your harm. I mean, and you only have seven days to recuperate. So I'm sure going into this week's game against Baylor, Lane Hatcher's really enjoying that, especially with a nice dub behind it. So it was definitely a huge improvement. Now take that energy, take that take that sense of pride that you gained from this win, and go and take it to Waco and just destroy those bears. <laughs> Dub bears. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it, in my short time of being here at Texas State, I have rarely been able to say Texas State football and win in the same sentence. <laughs> and it is a joy to, to, to see that early on in the season. And, of course, um, the tone was set, like you said, Justin. Um, but, you know, as we highlight the offense, uh, you know, the defense really did step up um, in closing out FIU. And it was a, I think, same thing because I'm a major basketball fanatic. But the same thing you can pull into football is defense wins championships. And, I mean, I'm not saying championships right now. Uh, but defense wins games and Texas State's defense, you know, really showed up. Um, we did have one injury um, to, I believe, a defensive back or safety, I wasn't uh, quite sure. Um, one, you know, hard to watch, hard to see, getting a card off in the stretcher. Um, but, you know, baby able to bounce back and close out the game and not let that affect you, uh, you know, going down through the rest of the second half was good to see. And just closing out games is what Texas State uh, football needs to do if they expect to have a successful season, especially going against a tough opponent in the Baylor Bears. Yeah, defense, obviously a component, no matter what, required at all collegiate level of all sports, including basketball and, of course, football. And to top on, uh, just to touch on that offensive side we were talking about, just to get to the meat and potatoes and the statistics behind this offense here, we had some great receiving, two great receivers that showed up and played great, and that was Charles Brown and Javon Banks. And I, you, these were two of the biggest receivers in the game because of these two amazing catches, two long passes that turned the entire stadium 
into something I've never seen. I've never seen an entire sea of student fans doing the YMCA. <laughs> it was something to see. Charles Brown caught a long 67-yard pass from Lane Hatcher going down the field to give them the early lead. And then Javen Banks later on got caught a 52-yard ball from Lane Hatcher as well. So Lane Hatcher showing up at home and giving the Bobcats 226 yards and three TDs for his first game at home, so that's not a bad performance. Now we just have to see how they perform against the Baylor Bears upcoming this weekend. Um, there's a lot to say about this. You're playing against a nationally ranked team, a nationally ranked team that got upset recently mm -hmm. against BYU. Guys, I want to hear just y'all's thoughts on this upcoming game and and just get that into a preview into some maybe some other college football after. You know, I, I think Baylor is still a very good team regardless of, you know, losing to BYU, but I think Texas State is looking really good after last season. You know, Texas State played them close in the opener last year, and this this Bobcat team is much better than last year's Bobcat team. So, I you know, the spread is not in the Bobcats' favor right now by any means, but I, I think the, the chances to at least see a really good game are a lot more realistic than, you know, people are giving the Bobcats credit. It's definitely going to be a tough one uh, because this gives me a little bit of um, PTSD of Texas and OU because OU, I don't know about this season, but traditionally they like to play Kansas State right before UT, and Kansas State pretty much always upsets OU, which then allows OU to be ticked off and then just go take it on UT. I, f I feel the same way towards Baylor. They felt like this was going to be their year to finally make the playoffs, and now they have been upset. They still have a chance, don't get me wrong. But they have been upset, and they're looking for fresh meat. They're looking for someone to go after. And who does that lead? Texas State Bobcats. <laughs> so, but you can't, as a player for the Bobcats, you can't look at that and be like, well, we're screwed. No, you got to go into that and be like, okay, well, I'm just as equally as hungry as you are because we got something to prove this season. We, Even though it might not be a big deal to y'all, it's a big deal to us to make a bowl game, and we are now five wins away from making our first bowl game. So, you got something to prove. It's going to be a challenge, no doubt, but you got to have faith and you got to believe in your team. And I believe the Bobcats have something, have a glimpse of that. And it's their first glimpse of that in a long time. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, going into this game with Baylor, it looks, you know, it looks bad, you know, as to see, you know, Bobcats going into it. But this past week, Sun Belt, Fun Belt. I mean, so <laughs> many upsets, man. And the Sun Belt is just dominating. So that gives me hope. You know, this Texas A team is part of the Sun Belt that they'll show up and give up a good fight. Even if they don't win, just, like, putting up a fight, making it a close game, like, less than, you know, like, 10 points, just getting it, you know, close, gives me hope that the Texas A Bobcats can pull out a win and against the Baylor Bears. Yes, so be on the lookout for that. You'll hear it on KTSW 89.9 this weekend when the Bobcats will be going to play the Baylor Bears. So be on the lookout for that one. But we have to take a step back from the collegiate level for a second and talk about a team that is in the city limits of San Marcos, and that's the San Marcos Rattler football team. The San Marcos Rattler football team, though, went to play Wagner, and it was a – or was – it was yeah, it was an away game, correct? Yes, yes it was. Yeah. Um, it was an overtime thriller, and we have one of the individuals that was at the game here, mm. and no other than Paxton Graff. Paxton, Me. could you share <laughs> – what did you see out of this game? What did you see from Wagner, and how did this game – finish with a 41 to 42 score uh well you saw a lot of rushing <laughs> that and that was practically the only thing you saw it was 
Every single play for Wagner was a run play. The only time they did throw is when they went for it on fourth down or in overtime. That was the only time. So probably a grand total of maybe six, seven throws that whole entire game for Wagner. And then, really, Sam Marcus was counter counterattacking that with their own rush game, and they have a phenomenal rush game. Uh, but I, one thing that I loved seeing was, you know, you hear about uh, Jaden Brown for the Rattlers every week, uh, week in, week out, and you hear about DeLeon. One player you don't hear about is Jake Rodriguez-Schultz, and he went off this week. If, if they would have won that game, I would have given them the player of the game because, I mean, he just – he really carried that team – to go into a overtime, uh, but sadly they they did lose in overtime because Wagner they said you know what we've had enough of losing we're going for the win and that's exactly what they did and they they just killed the Rattlers with what they had been killing them with all game prior which is the outside runs and they just they couldn't counter it and uh, Thunderbirds left Converse with a win their first win of the season so it was a fun game to call fun game to witness. Uh, this game is going to be a little different or a little harder to watch or see because it's all the way in Laredo, but it will still be a really fun, entertaining game, and I'm excited to really just call and watch future games for the Rattlers this season. Yeah, I I didn't get to watch this game like you did, but it it's another close game for the Rattlers. You know, they they had the one big loss to uh, Hutto week one, and then they played close with Madison last week, and another you know, close game against Wagner that unfortunately went to a loss. It just, you know, I, I, I figured that the the Rattlers just kind of need to be more consistent with closing out the game. And and it seems like, you know, they went to the drawing board in between week one and two and really improved a lot. So that's that's where they're going after this game to try to, I think they're playing Alexander. So it's another struggling program. So they're just going to have to go back to the drawing board and, and try to get back to 500 now. Yes, Colton, as you mentioned, they will be playing Alexander. That's an away game this Friday at 7 p.m. That's September 16th, if you want to put it on your calendar. Let's see if the Rattlers can make up for that overtime loss that they unfortunately suffered against Wagner. But, guys, now we have to take a huge leap into the NFL, into mm. collegiate football, because week one just got finished, guys. I'm talking the most exciting time for many Americans. We heard just earlier the Sunbelt Fun Belt, and many of y'all must be wondering, what is the Sunbelt Fun Belt? Well, we just got some recent news about a few Sunbelt teams that are actually going to be on college game day. Is that correct, Colton? Yeah, you, you talked about Sunbelt Fun Belt. Week, you know, the week two college football, you know, App State upset AM. You had Marshall upset Notre Dame, <laughs> new Sunbelt acquisition there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, Georgia Southern beat Nebraska, which led the Nebraska firing their coach. A lot of exciting stuff. But College Game Day announced that they are headed to Boone, North Carolina for App State versus Troy, two Sunbelt teams. You know, we're, we don't go to App State. We don't follow App State that much. But it, it's fun to see, you know, the Sun Belt getting some representation here. You know, it's it's fun to see the the App State and, and Troy are going to get some national television time. And, you know, maybe that, that you know, shines some light on Texas State too. 100%. The, the Sun Belt needs to be recognized, and it's being recognized because the Sun Belt is upsetting some big teams. So mm -hmm. let's hope that is the, you know, the storyline for this weekend, obviously. Um, but we saw some other football action that just started this past weekend on Sunday and just yesterday, Seahawks and the Broncos. I want to hear y'all's thoughts on this week one 
of NFL. I need to hear y'all's takes on these games. And I wanted to start with one of the most sad things I had to witness. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys oh fans God, may be crying right now. And if so, I'd grab some Kleenex because Dak Prescott broke his right hand and he won't be coming back for several weeks guys i want to hear y'all thoughts on cowboys nation right now and what are those fans going through oh my god and what what are the cowboys going to do how are they going to fix this what what are they going to do as a cowboys fan first of all we'll get them next year but oh (laughs) already (laughs) already sorry it's already (laughs) it's already already but that's the end of cowboys talk (laughs) yeah let's go it's moving along but as a cowboys fan i mean to not even score a touchdown is the saddest thing to see. Uh, Final score, 19 to 3. Uh, against I don't need to be reminded. <laughs> okay. It's etched in my brain. Um, but yeah, as a Cowboys fan, it's just sad to just see like no effort, just like no effort given. I mean, defense had like, they, they did what they could, you know, going against Brady. I mean, it's, it's Brady. What are you going to do? But the offense was just stagnant. Oh my God goodness could not get anything going so many th- uh three and outs that just just could not get anything rolling no momentum nothing was to, no spark nothing and i wasted three hours of my life watching that game but i mean as a cowboys fan at this point i don't even know how to go about the quarterback situation with dak prescott he gets hurt and then he comes back plays well and then goes back into being Dak and just playing messy. Honestly, I wouldn't be upset if Jerry Jones just gave him away. I, I would not be upset if he just mm. dished that man somewhere else. Like, God, no, give him to the Browns. Give him to the Jets. I don't care. I just want some, like, assets. Give me something back that we can work with because Dak Prescott is not the man for the Dallas Cowboys, and you've heard it here first. <laughs> well, I uh, I am as well a Cowboys fan. I'm not a delusional Cowboys fan though. <laughs> I uh, it was it was very. I'm not gonna say it was tough watching this game. As far as a Cowboys fan, it was just a tough game to watch in general. There was no offense. It was just so boring from a defensive standpoint. I'm sure you loved that game. Offensive standpoint, man, you were taking a nap by the halftime. Uh, it was just so boring to watch. But going on Prescott's injury, you know, I. Uh, the Cowboys fans can't really use the excuse that Prescott, even if he's injured, that's why they're going to trash this year or tank this year, blah, blah, blah. He did nothing in that game, and so they can't really use that as an excuse. But I'm not going to hold it against Dak. Uh, I love Dak as a player. I love him as a person. I'm not going to hold it against him. I think it's really more management issues, but that's a whole nother conversation to get into. But going off of this past game, it was uh, very boring to watch. Um, but you know, it, it's starting to give 2020 vibes. I don't know if y'all remember that. It was an awful season to watch. Somehow we were still in playoff talks at the end of the season, even though we had a losing record and all that, that just shows you how easy our division was. Uh, but, uh, you know, going into next week, you just, you gotta, you gotta move past this. I know it's hard, especially with the quarterback, the leader of the, the captain of the team, but Cooper rush, he's shown that he can he can play games last year against Minnesota. So, you know, just I don't really know what to say just off the game. It was not fun to watch. Uh, sucks watching it as far as a Cowboys fan. Yeah, well, I guess that was my question for, you know, you Cowboys fans. Is Cooper Rush the, the answer? Because, mm. you know, I mean, he, he honestly, 
from watching that game, you know, I didn't have a side in that game, except I don't like the Cowboys. So I guess <laughs> I go for whoever's facing them. But he performed about as well as Dak did, in my opinion. Yeah. And do they stick with him? You know, I know Jimmy G's name has been thrown around. You know, yeah. Cam Newton's out there. You can call up Tim Tebow if you want. No, <laughs> At tight end. <laughs> you know, I, is, is Cooper Rush the future for this season, though? You know, I, uh, I, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I would love to see Jimmy G come to Dallas. I don't think it's going to happen. I would love to. I, I don't know why he's the backup there. He's yeah. probably the most consistent uh, quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he led the 49ers all the way to the uh, NFC Championship last year, and they're like, oh, yeah, so you didn't lead us to the Super Bowl, so we're actually going to replace you with this rookie who can barely even throw the ball accurately. Uh so I, I don't really understand that situation there. I would love for him to come to Dallas. I don't think it's going to happen. So who's your next man up? It's Cooper Rush. And I definitely put Cooper Rush over Will Greer or Ben DiNucci. For, I don't even think we have DiNucci anymore. So uh, I, I definitely trust Cooper Rush. He's Like I said, he's shown in the past he can come up in big games. So, yeah, I believe in the redhead man. He's got red hair, got a little luck behind him. Go for him. <laughs> I just want to say one thing. Let it lovely quote from jerry jones he said my hand don't hurt writing checks so write some quarterback out there a check somebody somebody tim tebow anybody tim tebow i don't care put him at the helm get ben roethlisberger yes put him out of retirement come on like a tom brady he was only out for a few a few few weeks few months get somebody back there bro one nfl game that happened recently i'm talking yesterday guys And one that has more meaning, and it was more exciting to watch than the the Cowboys getting slaughtered. And that was the Broncos and the Seahawks. We had Russell Wilson visiting his former team for the first time with the Denver Broncos. And one thing I was not expecting was the Broncos to leave here with a loss. Mm. Now, I want to hear why they lost what what was the reason the Seahawks really took the advantage here and what what did it Colton you know we talked about this game last week on the podcast and everyone was pretty much in agreeing that the Denver was going to win yeah. decisively I think but you know and it wasn't even the Broncos playing bad you know they had quite a few penalties at least in the first half and Russell Wilson you know threw for almost 350 yards I I think the uh, the biggest thing the controversy from that game is that last drive by the Broncos that's what everybody's talking about right now you know they had time on the clock and they had three timeouts to you know keep going and it was fourth and five and they let like 30 seconds run out the clock to get them down to like 20 seconds call the timeout to attempt the what would be the second longest field goal in in NFL history I don't I don't know what that that was going on I, I saw you know Peyton and Eli were talking about it and they were going crazy trying to figure out what was going on and I think that's where the Broncos really messed up they had plenty of time and plenty of timeouts to to go down the field and they just kind of it was kind of a bonehead move by a first-year head coach yeah it definitely was and going off of uh, the Peyton and Eli show it was funny watching Peyton Manning's reaction to that he was just calmly sitting there on the couch and he's like yeah so I call a timeout right here and like clock would run down yeah so timeout and then he just yeah, no, right now is like when I would call a timeout. He just kept going like every 10 seconds. Yeah, so you need to call a timeout. Uh, I mean, they had three timeouts, and I think they started that play with 45 seconds, and they didn't take a timeout until 21 seconds. Uh, I, I don't understand the clock manage- the management there, 
But, you know, I I didn't really watch the whole game. I just saw really just the last couple of drives. Uh, Geno Smith had a pretty good game. I mean, everybody was really doubting him. They're like, mm-hmm. why is he starting? I mean, I guess because uh, Drew Locke is the backup, but, like, Geno Smith. But Geno Smith kind of proved the haters wrong mm-hmm. last night. But one thing I was disappointed in is the Seahawks fans. They're booing Russell Wilson, who literally brought them back and won them a Super Bowl. And, like, I was talking about last week, I had no idea who the Seahawks were before Russell Wilson. Like, I knew they were a team, (laughs) but, like, he brought them back to relevance again. And, like, they just just see that guy and they're like, oh, yeah, so he wanted to leave us. No, he really just didn't like uh, their coach, which I don't really like their coach either (laughs) in Pete Carroll. But uh, they just decided to boo him, and it's like it's such a poor look for your fan base. I mean, that guy did so much for your team, your city for that matter, as far as the community, and it's just an awful look. It's basically like booing at LeBron when he left from Cleveland to go to L.A. Like, he literally came back to win y'all a championship. But anyway, that's another story. But, uh, yeah, it was a shocker, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, this game was good. Uh, I did see it towards the end. Um, so it wasn't last scoring towards the end, but, um, Daniel Smith, like you said, just being able to prove the haters wrong, you know, it's only week one, it's only game one, but I'm excited to see how the Seahawks, you know, pull out through the rest of the season and see how he does at the helm of the Seahawks. Um, and like you said, just them booing Russ Wilson is just like, it's so ungrateful. I mean, it's kind of like the Spurs, right? When Kawhi Leonard came back and I was like, bro, that man wants a championship. So like, <laughs> show some respect, <laughs> show some respect, but uh, I mean, that's fan bases for you. They, you know, it's 50-50 with them. Some are going to support, some are going to hate. But, you know, as a player, you just, you know, drown out the noise and you play your game. And, I mean, 330 yards is amazing for passing in the first game. I think Broncos are still going to have a successful season. Uh, it's the first game. It was an away game. I get the, all the hype and the drama with it being the Seahawks. But, I mean, Russell Wilson's a good quarterback. They have... I think he just needs to build some chemistry with his receivers and they'll be able to pull out um, with a successful winning season. Yes. I believe that the Broncos, this is their first loss. Russell Wilson almost threw 350 yards. This wasn't a bad game for anybody. Um, It was just unfortunate and just really weird play calling and the end of the game. Uh, But guys, I have a game that I need to hear your predictions on. All of you in here were wrong about the Broncos game, including me. I'm not going <laughs> to say anything, but I have. A, I need to hear y'all's predictions. We have two teams playing Chargers and Chiefs this Thursday, September mm-hmm. 15th. That is in two days. What are y'all's thoughts? Who's taking it? Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, what are your thoughts? It, it's going to be a, a tough one to uh, to follow up last week's Thursday game, you know, but I, it's going to be a fun, another fun one. I hope it's m- more close than the last one was, you know, because we all last week thought the Bills and the Rams were going to be a super close game, a super fun game, and then you know my Bills took care of business. So they did. Um, uh, I think I don't know. I think the Chiefs probably have this one. It's it's at Arrowhead, and you know Mahomes threw for five touchdowns in Week One. Travis Kelsey had a Travis Kelsey type game, um, and you know both teams are kind of struggling with some injuries right now. You know, Andy Reid talked after the game on Sunday that the Cardinals turf was bad and caused a lot of injuries, including to the kicker. <laughs> but uh, the Chargers also have injury issues. You know, Keenan Allen's going to be out for a little bit, mm. it sounds like. 
you know, my fantasy receiver, (laughs) you know, it's going to be a fun one, I hope. Uh, But I think the Chiefs probably got it. Uh, Well, you know, I was going to choose the Chiefs, but I want to be a little different. Mm -hmm. So I will choose the Chargers because it was neck and neck. It wasn't like I was for sure saying Chiefs, but Chargers, I just I feel like they're a better all around team. I do think it will be close. I hope it will be close compared to last week's Thursday night game. Uh, But, you know, with. But with the Chiefs, I mean, people thought they were going to be awful this year, and they thought they were going to they they were going to lose last week. Now, granted, it's only the second week, but I mean, they proved them wrong last week. They they threw up what what was it five touchdowns, I believe, and I mean, so a phenomenal game. But I I ultimately think that the Chargers have this one. Chargers have a way better defense, in my opinion, than Arizona, and so I feel like the Chargers will get the dub. Yeah, I mean, I want to see the Chargers win, but, I mean, you got Mahomes throwing five touchdowns. That's crazy. And, you know, no Tyree kill, no problem for them. Um, and ESPN gives them a 54.8% chance to win, and I feel like they will pull out the win. Um, you know, I just uh, – I like to see Mahomes have success, you know, with losing the Super Bowl, uh, you know, losing Tyree kill. Um, I feel like Chiefs pull this one out. Yeah, I'd also like to see Mahomes have some success. He's my he's my quarterback. So, <laughs> <laughs> speaking points. of which, before we get out of here, because mm. we still have some time here, I don't think I want to talk about this. Oh well, <laughs> what is it? I'm sorry, you're I'm gonna sorry. have to, guys. Woo! We've talked about this before on the podcast. We do have a KTSW fantasy football league. Many individuals had their results seen last night, and some people lost, some people won. And I was one of those that lost. Oof. I lost, unfortunately, to the sc- with the score of one. 27 against 133 against no other than Nolan Phillips. Oh, Nolan. And no uh, unfortunately, Clutch. my squad with Joe Scheiste, who decided to Scheiste. throw interceptions for the first game of the day. Ooh, I yes. want to hear how y'all's teams are doing and what did y'all, how'd y'all do on the first week? Yeah, I, uh, my team is called Post Mahomes. Uh, oh, I took on, that's a good one. That's I took funny. on our boy Kobe Jackson in week one. And let me say, Kobe. I kind of stumped him. That's I, why he's I, not here. By score, the way. Was, <laughs> <laughs> score was score was one 159.7 to 111.06. So mm. it was a stumping. You know, I had Mahomes, like I said, and I also had Justin Jefferson. So his, I think he had 39 points in the first half, which is what his final was. Wow. Um, my my team performed pretty well. Yeah, I had the Bengals defense, which was kind of eh, you know. But other than that, I'm I got a lot of hope for how this team's gonna wind up for the rest of the season. Well, I went against our wonderful web content manager. Y'all go check out some of his stuff. Jordan Young. He needs to post my articles. And, <laughs> and I uh, actually came out with a dub this week. I was, I was excited about my crew. But the downside is is that uh, I lost my star receiver, Keenan Allen, who wants to go and screw up his hamstring this past game, and now he's not going to play this week. So, um, But as far as that, I, I started Tom Brady this week which was a poor decision. He got me 10 points, but Jonathan Taylor made it up with his 27. So, uh, but as far as the rest of my crew, man, they, uh, so real quick, I made a dumb decision, decision. I benched the Buffalo Bills defense and I put the New England Patriots defense over it. Oh my! And the reason why is because I did not think Miami was going to do that good this week. I thought they were going to have some issues between connections. I think they'll be good midweek, but I didn't think they were going to be that good this week. I thought 
uh, Belichick's, he's got a wonderful defensive mind. Let's go with him. And I also thought Buffalo, they're going to get some phenomenal Rams offense. They're not going to do that great. Three picks. I was wrong because <laughs> Buffalo got 18 points and New England got four points. So, but um, as far as the rest of the crew, uh, decent uh, games overall. I'm just really hoping Keenan Allen recovers soon. I really desperately need a receiver. So, if you ain't first, you're last. That's true. And right now, I mean, I'm not first in the league, but I did beat Jordan, so I'm going to count that as a first place deal for me. So I'm not last, so we're good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I'm missing out because I'm not in the league. <laughs> oh, oh. Hey, hey, we'll do an NBA league. I'm whooping everybody's butt. Hey, hey, don't worry. But hey, we had a great episode here today. I want to thank you guys, John Carlo, thank Paxton you. Graff, Colton Gibson, as always. And this was Justin Brown. We appreciate you for listening. You can find us on KTSW Sports on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find Close to the Wall on Spotify. Hey, what was that? One thing I wanted to add is Manu Ginobili is now a Hall, Hall of Famer. So just wanted to put that Manu Ginobili is now a Hall of Famer, guys. This As is Charles Barkley would say, Ginobili! And that will end off today's <laughs> episode, guys. We thank you for listening <laughs> to this episode of Claws of the Wall. You can catch us and uploading these on Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere you find your podcast. We want to thank you again for listening, and have a good one.